we begin this first Sunday of Lent, the season of Lent, um, which is a penitential season. We wear violet. We take on extra acts of fasting and prayer and almsgiving. But it's also a preparation for baptism. For those of us who have already been baptized, at Easter, we will renew our baptismal vows. This faith that saves us, the renunciation of all the lies of the evil one and accepting the truth of our new identity as sons and daughters in Jesus Christ, that is each and every year something we Christians do. Um, that our baptism is what defines us. It's what relates us to God the Father as his children, to Christ as members of his body, the church. But it's also people who, adults who are getting baptized this year will be baptized at the Easter Vigil Mass, which is the culmination of all of the preparation of Lent. And so there's this baptismal meaning behind what we're doing. It's not like we're taking on extra things. We are um, focusing on the most essential things of what it means to be a son or daughter of the Father, to belong to Jesus Christ through our baptism. And so these first readings of the first Sunday are about baptism, particularly in Genesis, about this prefiguring of baptism, which was Noah's flood that washed away all of the yucky old stuff as human beings have become more and more corrupt after the sin of Adam and Eve, and this renewal of, of the people through the family of Noah, this chosen family, who would listen for God and would obey him. Um, and it even represents the church, this, this ark, this boat that is floating on the turbulent waters of the world, which is to bring us to the kingdom of heaven, to this new, renewed earth. Uh, and St. Peter talks about this as this prefiguring of baptism, that this, these waters that wash away evil and give birth to new life, that's the, the water that we were baptized in. And even Jesus himself is baptized. And the, the reading for today, when Jesus goes out into the desert, immediately, follow, or immediately preceding Jesus' temptations in the desert, in every one of the Gospels, is his baptism. When he goes to the Jordan, to John, and um, goes down into the water, and comes up out of the water, and hears the voice from heaven, the Father speaking, as the dove, the, the Holy Spirit, descends on him. This manifestation of the Trinity and all those around here, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Uh, the church father says that, that the water, Jesus didn't need to be made holy by the waters, but the waters needed to be made holy by Jesus. So in descending into this water, which is this death of the old self and the renewal of the new self, so now when we enter into the water, we become Jesus. We become members of his body. We are adopted as children and hear that same voice. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. In you I'm well pleased. And so the whole Bible from the time of the crisis of Adam and Eve, the very beginning, is, is the disaster of sin. The whole rest of the Bible, this whole story, is either prefiguring or completing this renewal that God had in mind, making things new again. And so even in the book of Revelation, Jesus seated on the throne says, Behold, I make all things new. There's a, a great author I like, um, Alexander Schmemann. He, he wrote that he doesn't, he says, Behold, I make all things new. He doesn't say, Behold, I make new things. And that's a really important distinction because when we start with, with something like Lent, we're like, okay, it's a fresh start. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it right this time. And, and we kind of feel like, um, because I have this first marking, like everything that happened in the past now, it doesn't matter and I can just start. And that's the only way we can really feel like we can start again, is if like the, all, everything else is just like, I'm almost a different person. New year, new me. But and matter of fact, you're the same person. And what Jesus is doing in, in renewing you is not giving you a different life. And sometimes we, we fall into thinking that, and that can even keep us from saying yes to Christ because I don't want to be a weirdo. I don't want to be someone different. I don't want to be, take on some new personality like some Christian version of me. I want to be myself. But that's the promise, is that Jesus actually makes you into you. Um, all of the language around rebirth, being reborn. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and Jesus says that. Unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. He gets all confused. He's like, how can a man, once grown old, re-enter his mother's womb? He's taking it too literally. But he gets the message. Like, you have to start over. You have to be born again. Jesus says, unless you become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. So I think this is, this is what's such good news is that God is calling us to a totally different way of, of living than we're accustomed to, but it's actually the way of living that's most natural to us, like a child, like a child that just does what comes naturally, does what he or she wants, and doesn't think so meta about, like, is this the right thing, or is this what people expect of me, or um, am I as good as this person, or can compare each other? What happens when we lose our childhood? We kind of come into adolescence, those awkward teen years, and you're just constantly aware. Do I fit in? Where do I fit in? How can I fit in? How can I make other people feel less than so that I can feel more than? And all this kind of corruption, um, it's unnatural. We start to like, almost feel like we're wearing our bodies like a costume or something, like a suit, instead of just being ourselves. What spiritual childhood is, what this rebirth in baptism is meant for is that I'm not looking for approval from anyone other than Jesus, other than Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they approve of me because of who I am, not because of what I do. And this is what we, this is what we fundamentally get wrong, is that our value, our worth is in what we do. And God continues to just say, nope, it's who you are that matters to me. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. In you, I am well pleased. And if we live out of that approval, then we can be disapproved of by the world or by other people who don't understand us or, or judge us for, for what we've done or what we haven't done and whether they like that or not. Um, to just live out of this place of utter safety in the Father's love. That's where Jesus lives from and the invitation he has for us. Behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's, it's yours if you want it. If you want to live like me, you can. It already belongs to you. You can stop fighting for approval. You can stop arguing with the, with the devil out in the desert and just lean on me, rely on me, and live like me. And this is a great mystery because we, we have to enter into the desert uh, with Jesus. And sometimes I don't even know how I'm being reborn or redeemed or restored. I don't understand how this experience that I'm going through, it just seems confusing. It just seems like I'm struggling and I can't get it right. I can't figure this out. There's something wrong with me. I'm tempted to think, no, I'm doing it wrong. And Jesus is just there who cannot be deceived. Jesus can't, can't lie and he can't be lied to. And he says, no, it's good that you exist. 
It's good that you're here. I'm glad you're with me here. Yesterday, I had the um, sad privilege of going to a funeral for an 11-month-old baby, uh, former students here, and tragic. Um, This baby died of cancer. And in the church, I could see, of course, the baby in the casket, um, Teddy, and then his older sister, Mari, who is about two and a half or three years old, and his parents, um, Theo and Ida. And there was something just so mysterious about that moment. It's like, who could have ever predicted it or, or understood why it would, would happen or that it would happen? But as I looked at um, Mari just kind of like wandering through the church aisles, distracted, going up to her grandparents and just needing, needing somebody to kind of console her around her brother's casket, you know, kind of unaware, just it's too deep a mystery. She can't understand it. Um, to see little Teddy in the, in the casket, just so innocent and pure. Um, and then their parents uh, just sitting there in all seriousness, you know, sometimes weeping, but always praying and just taking in this moment. I could see their goodness, each of them, in their own unique way. Teddy, Mari, Theo, Ida, their, their goodness was just there. And what was going on there, spiritually speaking, the mystery of God's plan and his redemption of, of each of us individually and the whole cosmos generally, like, this was just a holy moment. It was a desert moment. There's something like, we're not yet there. We're not to the promised land yet. But... They didn't need to do anything different. They didn't need to tell Mari, like, hey, this is serious. This is a, your brother's funeral. Like, stop you know, walking around. You know, just accepting them for who they were. It was very easy in that moment. Um, and I could see how God would just behold them and say, behold, I'm making all things new somehow. We don't have to figure out what's wrong. That's what's a, the other good news about this. In the desert, it's not about going to diagnose our spiritual problems and then hearing what the doctor says, this is the cure. We don't need to figure out what's wrong. We can just be aware that there is something wrong. You know, if I'm tempted to live in a way that feels unnatural to me, and whatever the moment is, a sad, a hard moment, a joyful, kind of triumphant moment, am I pretending I'm someone I'm not? Do I think I'm incomplete I need to grasp at some affirmation, some validation, some approval that I don't yet have. And something's wrong. I'm not living from that place of sonship, of being in Jesus, of my baptism. And I can just turn very, very subtly, but very importantly, to the Father, to Jesus, to the Spirit, and hear those words again. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. In you I'm well pleased. I'll finish with this very simple prayer that uh, a religious sister taught me while I was on retreat that I've used uh, every once in a while in situations like this where I just feel stirred up and uncomfortable and not myself. To just put my hand on my heart and say, Jesus, in my heart, I believe in your tender love for me. I love you. And that just makes you aware that, first of all, you have a heart. And it's experiencing things. Like a lot of times in stressful situations, we're just outside of ourselves, like problem solving and thinking, how can I make this situation feel at peace? When in here, this is where the turmoil is. 
So just being present to oneself, but then acknowledging Jesus is in here. (laughs) This is where he is. He's with me. He's closer to me than I am to myself. He's not out there. I don't need to go find him and rush into some doing to get his approval. It's already mine. And then I can just believe in his love for me, receive it, and then give it back. And in that relationship, everything else is natural.